Good evening, and welcome to Transforming Lives, the radio ministry of the Biblical Counseling Institute of Garrettsville, Ohio. I invite you to stay tuned for the next hour for a live discussion providing biblical answers to life's questions. Here now is your host for tonight's edition of Transforming Lives. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Joe Propri, our host for Transforming Lives tonight. We're a radio program designed to encourage you, the believer and the non-believing listener, that the Bible itself, God's Word, has answers, sufficient answers for the common problems that people struggle with in their daily lives. The Bible provides those answers uh, in the Scriptures, and uh, when we say sufficient, we're saying that the Bible gives us everything we need for life, to live life, and to live life in a godly way, as uh, Peter put it in his second epistle. The program is sponsored by the Biblical Counseling Institute, which is a ministry of the of the Covenant Bible Fellowship in Garrettsville, Ohio, where our focus is to train Bible-believing Christians in how to use the Scriptures to help one another solve problems. And uh, we're talking about problems of all sorts, we're talking about problems that are not caused by physical malady in the body. Of course, you should see a doctor. We believe in doctors as a legitimate biblical uh, position. Luke was a physician, and there's an acknowledgment in numbers of places in the Bible that uh, there are people that God has given wisdom about who are to help us take care of our bodies, which are the temple of the Holy Spirit. However, that part of us that is not physical, we're talking about the immaterial person, the spirit, the soul part of the human being, that part is under the jurisdiction of God and his word. When things are wrong with us in that area, things are wrong with our soul, we have mental issues or emotional problems or relational problems with other people or with God, that's an area that is covered by Scripture completely. We don't believe in need to lean upon the world's wisdom in any kind of way. In fact, we believe the world's wisdom about those sorts of things is still in the dark because there's a suppression of the truth that God has given to us by unsaved people. It's the saved people who use the Scriptures who are most adequate and most competent to counsel other people. That's what Paul said himself to the Romans, <clears throat> who were at the very time kind of new in the faith themselves. Well, I've got with me my good friend, Pastor Gus Supin. Welcome, Gus. Nice to be here, Joe. And Gus is with the uh, community. Cuyahoga Valley <laughs> <laughs> Church. I'm, and, I'm trying to go fast here, and I'm uh, forgetful. We miss our good co-hosts who are away uh, uh, this evening and unable to be with us, and our prayers are especially with Glenn Dunn, who is in Trinidad, uh, teaching biblical counseling to a number of pastors at a conference this coming week. So, uh, Glenn, if you happen to be listening or you'll hear the broadcast later, we're we're with you in spirit and lift you up in prayer. Well, tonight, uh, Gus and I are going to be talking about one of those kinds of problems that are common to men, and that is the problem of anger. There are people all over the place. I mean, just about every single human being has an anger problem to some degree or another sometime in their life. Now, if you're listening, you probably can identify with that, and uh, you may want to talk with us about it over the, uh, over the air. I want you to know that we are on the air live tonight <clears throat> here uh, uh, in the studio in Cleveland, and you can call us uh, toll-free at 888 877 9673. 
And you can talk with us about anger problems, or maybe you don't have one, but you know someone else who does, and you'd like some help with uh, how you might best minister to them and encourage them to trust God and to follow His Word and how to conquer that problem. I'll, I'll confess to the audience right now who is listening that I used to have an anger problem myself. I was a hot-tempered person at times. I would sometimes blow up. Sometimes I would hold it in for a, a while and stew on things for maybe months, and then finally I had enough, and I'd blow up. And, and I remember one time being so violent that I, was, I had been reading a book sitting on a couch, and I kept being interrupted by a person I uh, dearly love. And in my frustration in these interruptions and what I thought were somewhat uh, uh, inane uh, questions and whatever, I I ended up throwing the book at this person across the room, just narrowly missing her face. And um, I was astounded that I had that capability. I knew that I had a temper, but I never thought that I could actually physically cause some harm in my anger, especially to people that I loved. And there were people I didn't love when I was a non-Christian, and I didn't have any problem at all venting or thinking about causing physical harm to them. But the people I loved, I thought that that would be impossible. And there I was, astounded. Thank God, Gus, that uh, God got a hold of my life because he took away my anger problem, but he did not take it away instantaneously. It was one of those things that God can do for people, and there might be people who could call in and say, God took this away from me right after I got saved. And I've heard a lot of testimonies like that about different kind of problems. But some problems don't go away that quickly. Sometimes God, in fact, most of the time. Most of the time. Hey, right. God yeah. wants us to discipline ourselves toward godliness and be patient and work on the change that's needed in our life. And so uh, we're going to be talking about the various avenues and, and methods that scriptures indicate are helpful for anger. But before we start, Gus and I want to get into it, the area of understanding the fact that where does anger come from in the first place? And... Um, one of the most astounding things in the first segment we're going to be talking about might might surprise and shock and maybe I dare say offend some of our listeners because what we need to face is the fact that God himself is angry. God has an anger. I wouldn't say he has an anger problem. Anything that God is is not a problem to him. It may be a problem to us, his nature and his attributes, but it's not a problem to him, and it's not wrong for God to be angry. Uh, but God is an angry God. The average human being does not think about God that way. Isn't that right, Gus? Oh, of course not. He's love, isn't he? Amen. He's I mean, God he's that love. too. <laughs> <laughs> and he is that. You know, Gus, I, I was speaking somewhere just uh, three or four weeks ago. In fact, we promoted the cult and uh, world religion seminar that I was doing in the uh, Cuyahoga Falls area about a month ago. And uh, while I was there, one of the gentlemen who attended handed me a, a business-sized card that he makes up himself that he passes out to people. And it's a list of the attributes of God. And he says he gives that to people to help them to think about the attributes of God so they could get to know what God is like better. And as I'm looking down at the various attributes, he says to me, now when you get to the bottom one, no, nobody has a question about this card until they see the bottom one. And when I zoomed down with my eyeballs, it said the wrath of God. And we I said, we don't want to hear that. You don't, don't, you don't hear too many sermons being preached from the pulpit uh, this Sunday on that subject. No, we, we don't want to have that in view in our minds as we think about our God. 
And uh, Christians are just as bad, I think, yeah, as non-Christians. Sure. We don't want to consider God being angry or full of wrath. When in reality, his, his wrath is no more, more or less complete than his love. Exactly. All, all of his gifts, all of his attributes are perfect in every way and complete. So he, he, he loves completely and he has wrath completely. He does. He does. And, but, but those various aspects of God's attributes that we don't think about or meditate on, especially the ones that are disturbing to us, are, are things we'd rather not think about. But if we're going to help people, and if we are people who struggle with our own personal anger issues, then we're going to have to have a, a, let's call it a theological understanding of what anger is all about, why it's there, because sometimes, clearly, anger is correct, because God is angry and he's not mistaken. And we call that righteous anger. We do. And God's glad that you said that because that indicates to us right off the bat that uh, people should understand that there are two kinds of anger. There is a righteous anger, and God proves that point. He's angry, but it's impossible for him to be sinning. And that's not the one that's our most common problem. No, it isn't. In <laughs> fact, it's the other kind, which is sinful anger. Yeah. And that's what humans basically struggle with. I could say, and we may take the time in, in our second program, and by the way, listeners, we will cover this again next week, part two. So hopefully you're listening tonight, and we will build on this next week. But we we may get into the problem of when Christians are righteously angry, how well do they do handling that? Because, mm-hmm. see, God is perfect in his anger at, in having it, and he's also perfect in how he uses it. He doesn't make a mistake in either way. And Christians can um, have righteous anger but then sin with it. As long as they have with it righteous love. <laughs> if, they, if they're balanced like right. God is, exactly. there's not a problem. But I don't know about you, Gus. It's, it's difficult yeah. to be as well-balanced in all of our attributes as God is. The only thing that gets me mad is people who get mad. <laughs> that, don't, that don't make me mad. Don't get me started. Um, the, uh, the anger issue, though, relates to human beings and God together, and that's why we want to start with God, because everything really does start with God. And, and one of the reasons why it's important is because man, the Bible said, was made what? In the, the image, image of, of God. God. Right. <clears throat> so we're supposed to be like God, and there are things about us that mirror or reflect what God is like, although we don't do it well or perfectly, and sometimes we distort it terribly because of the fall of man. Our sinful nature makes it extremely difficult for us to manifest what God is like, even though we were designed to do that. So when we have some sort of an anger display. <clears throat> the question we should ask ourselves is, are we accurately in the image of God in our display of anger? Are we reflecting what God is like? Now, human beings, Christians in particular, may think that anger is always wrong. In fact, one time, um, you know, Gus is a pastor. I've been a pastor for over 26 years now, and and um, God has done a wonderful work in my life so that I've rarely ever lost my temper or have been upset in all the years of pastoring. And there were certainly circumstances where I could have if I'd like, if I'd like to. Well, one time <clears throat> a lady in our church who's no longer there and moved away, but uh, she had heard a rumor and came to me and she says, you got angry at so-and-so's house when you visited so-and-so. And I was first wondered, 
how did you hear about that? Something must have happened in the area of gossip for you to get this information. Because the fact was, I did get angry, which means I simply raised my voice and corrected this man. The reason why is because that man was trying to gossip to me about other people in our church, and I wouldn't hear of it. And he continued to press that, and I raised my voice and told him that he was way out of line. And I did that with what I thought a a sense of righteous Mm -hmm. anger toward him. Well, all she had heard from this particular fellow was that Pastor Joe got angry, and I Mm. must have been wrong. That's the thing is, I got angry and it was wrong. In fact, is you can be angry and sin not. Sin not, sin not. And so this is why we want to discuss and understand God's anger, because uh, God is angry. Now, I've got some scriptures to read. Uh, You may too also, Gus, and so we'll just fire off some of those. And those that are listening, listen carefully. You may not often hear these scriptures read or preached about. Uh, You may not read your Bible uh, uh, frequently and comprehensively, and so you may not have run across these verses enough or stopped to really think about them. But we're, we're bringing out some anger verses about God, just to get you to think about God's anger. I'm going to start in Psalm 7, and uh, Gus, you come in wherever you want at different Mm -hmm. times. I've got a a number of different ones here, and together we'll try to give an overview in a quick way just to establish the fact that God is angry. Now, in Psalm 7, verse 11, it says, God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. Now, NIV says God expresses his wrath every day. King James, I believe, says God is angry with the wicked every day. Now, here's a verse, Gus, that says our God is a righteous judge, and at the same time, he is angry every single day. Every single day he's angry. Now, that's not the picture we carry around in our mind about God. No, no, we... we... We think he's uh, always loving, and that's the that's what we have been uh, fed most of the times in our in our in our uh, teachings. Mm-hmm. Now, when people try to think of God being angry, they might say, "Well, once in a great while, God might be angry," because we look at Jesus's life in the Gospels, and what what do we see? We see Jesus pretty much meek and mild and loving people and healing people and all. But he got really upset that one time in the temple, in the temple and kind of maybe. Maybe lost it a little or got a well, you can't say that God got out of control or Jesus said, we don't understand that. We don't. And there are people who are Christians who have, diff, even pastors, difficult mm-hmm. time with that passage. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to explain the fact that Jesus seems to be almost out of control. Uh, you could say, um, well, you'd have to say, if you tried to visualize it, that he's knocking tables over. You can't imagine him calmly saying, you know, I'm. I'm not too happy about this table here. You shouldn't have done this. I'm just going to, if you don't mind, I'm just going to tip it over and mm-hmm. let things slide. No, he, it, the picture is clear. Uh, and the Jews were a passionate people. Sure. They were sure. passionate about whatever they did. And he was a Jew as well as the son of God. And when he tipped those tables over, you you got to believe he, he flipped them tables over. And mm-hmm. he fashioned a whip and, he's whip and he's snapping it. And he's, and he's scaring the animals so they're running out. This is not the picture of God that we want to accept, but it is our God. Yeah, sure it is. Another one in Psalm sixty-nine twenty-four, uh, uh, six, uh, Psalm seventy-six ten. It says, "Surely your wrath against men brings you praise." That kind of surprised me. Mm-hmm. That God's wrath against men brings him praise. 
And, uh, yeah, we'll have to think about exactly how that happens and what it means. Listen to Psalm 76, 76 uh, verses 6 to 9. I was was stunned myself to go over this again. I hadn't read this for a while. And before uh, I read it, I'll just remind us, I'm going to be looking at another psalm, too. The psalms are some of those most wonderful chapters in the Bible written by David and others. These are people who spent... a great deal of time meditating and reflecting upon God, communing with God, fellowshipping with God, talking with God. The Psalms are a a, a book that one could say for people who really have gotten close to God and intimate with God through their prayer life, the Psalms is a great place to read to find out more about what God is really, really like. And so when you read the Psalms, you do see much of this Uh, anger kind of stuff. Listen to Psalm 76, verses 6 to 9. At thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both rider and horse were cast into a sea. Now that reminds us immediately of the exodus from Egypt, which is what it's about. Cast into a dead sleep, I'm sorry. Then thou, even though, art to be feared, and who may stand in thy presence when once thou art angry? Thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still when God arose to judgment to save all the humble of the earth. Now go on, Joe, to number 10. Mm-hmm. I know you said you're going to 9, but 10 was the one I just ten. I just, I just gave you before. I know, and because it's talking about the wrath of man. I'm focusing on the wrath of God, but okay. you're right. For the wrath of man so, shall praise right. God. With a remnant of wrath thou shalt gird thyself. So our our imitation of God properly, our our expression of wrath, uh, ought to be that of being in the image of God, and it would certainly praise God if we are angry for the reasons He's angry and mm-hmm. when He's angry, that sort of thing. And Christians aren't angry when they ought to be about the things they should be angry about. Like you said, uh, we're usually angry uh, for sinful reasons mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. sinful ways. But again, this issue of the wrath of God is pointed out here in Psalm 76. And in this case, we have a context where we're talking about the expression of God's mighty wrath in conjunction with His judgment against the Egyptians who mistreated his people, put them into slavery. And that expression of wrath comes through his judgment where he rebukes them. And both the rider and the horse were cast into a deep sleep as uh, basically they died. They were drowned in the water. So again, God's wrath is poured out here in connection with his judgments. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Joe, I think that one of the problems that that, uh, people have, and I know that we started in the Old Testament with the Scripture here, Mm -hmm. and they kind of view the God of Old Testament different than the God of the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament is judgmental. Mm -hmm. He's got this wrath. Uh, He he talks about it many, many times uh, in the Old Testament, but they don't equate that the wrath of God with Jesus in the New Testament. You know, you're right. That's That's a common thing I've heard over the years. That's God in the Old Testament, and uh, God in the New Testament is different now. Right, exactly. In other words, God changed. Yeah. But the Bible says God does not change. He says, I change not. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm sure you're going to have, and we're going to have some New Testament passages, too, in uh, in our next break or in the next uh, segment or so. But before we go, I want to give us um, uh, Psalm 90. In fact, I'm going to read the whole psalm, and then we're going to go to a, uh, a break. 
But listen to the Psalm 90. It, it encompasses in just 17 verses the wrath of God as well as this creative power. And uh, when we uh, we'll go to break as soon as we finish reading this, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were born. Or thou dost give birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting thou art God. Thou dost turn man back into dust, and thou dost say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. Now watch the dimensions rise here. Thou hast swept them away like a flood, they fall asleep. In the morning they are like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning it flourishes and sprouts anew. Toward evening it fades, withers away. For we have been consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath we have been dismayed. Thou hast placed our inequities before thee. See, now we're going to get some insight here about why. Our secret sins in the light of thy presence. For all of our days have declined in thy fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it's gone and we fly away. Who understands the power of thine anger and thy fury according to the fear that is due thee? So teach us to number our days, that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. Do return, O Lord, how long will it be? And be sorry for thy servants." Satisfy us in the morning with thy loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days thou hast afflicted us, and the years we have seen evil. Let thy work appear to thy servants, and thy majesty to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and do confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. In this psalm, God, God's very nature of wrath and fury is revealed as the source of why men's lives wither and fade away and 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 uh, and end up dying and that are we're consumed by that in our pride and all those sorts of things and so because god is angry and because god is furious with the state of mankind as his is our iniquities are before his eyes and uh, our secret sins in the light of his presence and and if we were god if we could understand Seeing the sins of mankind whom God has made uh, and have rebelled against him ought to make God angry. I mean, he's completely righteous in being angry. And yet, what's the prayer of the psalmist? Lord, this is mankind, and you and we deserve this. But God, have favor on us. Yeah, give us, give us joy. Yeah, etc. And And so the wrath of God has to be somehow circumvented or ameliorated in some way in order for God's love— and God's mercy and his kindnesses to come through to mankind, although those were always there. Mm -hmm. But his anger uh, rests upon, even today, as we'll look at in the New Testament right after this break. So we're going to come back, and you uh, who are listening, make sure you call your friends, especially if they have an anger problem. And don't forget to call, if you'd like to, at 888-677-9673. We'll be right back. The 
Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville. We can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. So I was having my coffee the other day and I wondered, what's so special about Cornerstone Bible Fellowship? Is it the family-like environment, the Christian development classes geared for all ages, or the fact that Cornerstone Bible Fellowship believes both in the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the Bible? Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is committed to preaching, teaching, and counseling from God's Word. I've heard testimonies of how the biblical counseling ministry of our church helped my friend with her panic attacks, helped one believer with his anger and another who struggled with worry all by giving them solid biblical principles to help them defeat these sins in their lives. It's amazing. At Cornerstone Bible Fellowship, I'm learning that I have everything I need to live a life of victory and godliness. It's my prayer that we will reach even more people with the good news that the Bible is sufficient to meet our greatest needs. Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is currently meeting at Remington College at Great Northern. For more information, call 440-617-0002 or visit us on the web at cbfministry.org. Back here with Transforming Lives, and I'm Joe Proprie, the director of the Biblical Counseling Institute, here with my good friend Gus Supan. We're talking about anger, talking about problem of anger. You know, people are in prison and jail uh, due to crimes committed, uh, many of them because anger was at the source of their impetus, and uh, murders especially. Uh, I remember being in uh, prison uh, uh, to do some training in anger management uh, a couple, three different times in the past few years and talking with some of the inmates. And, and they would say, that's exactly why I'm in here. I could not control my anger. And it it led me into places where uh, I've been in bondage and, and now I'm in jail. And and so anger is a huge issue. Yeah, it's not really, uh, I know you use the term anger management because uh, we don't manage anger. Right. We We deal with the sin of anger. Well, I, I totally agree, but the, the the title got me into the prison. Sure, yeah, I understand that. I understand that. <laughs> and so, uh, but here we are uh, discussing anger, and if you've just tuned in, this is the Biblical Counseling Institute's program, Transforming Lives. We are here for you to encourage you to trust the Scriptures and to practice the Scriptures to find victory for all kinds of problems that you and I have. Uh, Christ in you is the hope of glory and the hope for change. And anger is one of those things that we're focusing on today. Week by week, we have uh, different subjects or topics to talk about. But tonight and next week, it's anger. And uh, you could be uh, catching us uh, by podcast off of our website, www.bci-ohio.com. There's a link there to this radio station, WHKW, 1220 AM, uh, where you can uh, catch the program live streamed. You can also download past programs and listen to them, MP3 files or whatever you might want to do. But uh, we we want to encourage you to take advantage of the resources that we offer to help you become competent 
and confident in the use of scriptures to help people with problems. By the way, if you want to call us, uh, we are live and you can talk with us here at 1220. The number to call is 888-677-9673. And for those who call tonight, we're offering a free gift. We have, in fact, your choice of two different books. One is called uh, The Passion of Christ, The Reasons Why Jesus uh, Went Through the Passion of the Cross. It was It's an excellent book by John Piper. And the other one is a book of Bible promises. It's topically arranged, and it's uh, really encouraging to read what God has to say and the promises that he's given to us about the issues of life. And so uh, we want to give that gift to you if you would call us tonight and uh, and ask a question, make a comment or whatever, and uh, leave your address. We'll be glad to get it to you. One more quick announcement. We're we're sponsoring a uh, conference we do every year. The Biblical Counseling Institute in May always hosts in Mayfield Heights a uh, conference on biblical counseling. And our guest this year is Dr. Lou Priolo, who's written a number of books on family and marriage and parenting. And he's going to focus on uh, teenagers this year and the rest of the conference, we're going to have workshops on family issues and as well as things that are not necessarily related to the family for those who may have other ideas. But but it's going to be a great conference, and you can find some information about that on bci-ohio.com. Now, Gus, before the break, we were talking about the wrath of God, and that's the model for Christians, model for people, because God has anger and human beings will too, but we are, because of the fall, have distorted that. And we primarily looked at Old Testament passages to remind ourselves of just how much the Bible does say, and we only scratched the surface, about God having wrath, God being angry, God pouring out his wrath, and in a furious kind of a way. But as you said, you and I both heard people say, well, God, the God of the Old Testament, that's the way he is. But because Jesus has come, uh, Jesus and and God now have presented themselves differently yeah. and mild and meek and mannered. Uh, as you said, and and I agreed, that the New Testament doesn't seem to indicate that God changes. Uh, you have some verses there that that are in the New Testament that we ought to think about and take a look at. Go ahead. Let's, let's go to Luke three seven. It says John said to this is uh, John said to the crowd. John said to the crowds coming out uh, to be baptized by him. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? That's John the. Uh, John the Baptist is speaking there. Mm-hmm. But then again, we read, we read in her, uh, Hebrews twelve twenty nine, for it is perfectly true that our God is a burning fire. Mm-hmm. That indicates wrath. Or in Luke twelve forty nine, I came to cast fire upon the earth, and would that it were already kindled. Wow, that's and Jesus saying that? Jesus saying that. He's saying, I wish it was happening already. Already. <laughs> and, and it's all because... His anger at sin. Mm-hmm. That's the, the whole concept of God's wrath is sin. And, and when you find a, a loving father letting loose his wrath on his son, mm-hmm. God's wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. If you saw the Passion of the Play and you could uh, go through the Passion of the Christ mm-hmm. and you could go through all of that brutality against and picture that that wrath belonged to us and the God of the Old Testament, <laughs> so to speak, <laughs> cast it on if we want to call, and I'm not preaching this, the God of the New Testament, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he's casting that wrath upon him. Yes. Because we were the ones who were supposed to, to get yeah. that. 
And I'm glad you I'm glad you're saying that the wrath of God is directly connected to as we as we read in uh, in the Psalms uh, his pouring out of his judgment. We mentioned the Egyptians, and uh, you mentioned the wrath to to come that Jesus talks about. Romans two says uh, this: Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. So that verse is talking about what you're saying. Yeah. Joe, and I think it's very, very important that the Christian understands that he need not fear the wrath of God. That's true. And we need to understand that as we, as we talk about this wrath of God, because Jesus took that wrath for us. Mm-hmm. We, the, those of us who are chosen for him, he may discipline us, he may rebuke us, mm-hmm. he may test us, mm-hmm. but we're never going to be the recipients of his wrath. Praise the Lord Amen. for that. That is so comforting. But on the other hand, it's in, important for us to remind those who are listening and oh, those of us who are Christians who have friends and relatives who are not yet saved, mm-hmm. that the wrath of God abides upon them. The wrath of God remains and, and wrath is stored up. There is yet a wrath to come. There was a final judgment, and it will last forever. The wages of sin is death. And what a horrible thing to consider awaiting someone that the wrath of an all of the pure, holy, and complete wrath of an almighty God. The thing that the thing that that is, is heartbreaking sometimes when we listen to people on the airways, on television, and what have you, and they're teaching about how to come to Christ and how to be saved. I never hear them talk about are you frightened at the wrath that is to come if you don't come to Christ? Mm -hmm. Do you realize what is your lot if you refuse him or if you suppress the truth, suppress the knowledge of him and refuse to listen to the word of God about Jesus Christ? The gospel is Jesus Christ's word about his salvation of his people. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know how the gospel is put, Gus. It said, Jesus died for your sins. Right. But it's not often said what that's implying. It's saying Jesus died to avert the wrath of God from falling upon you by taking it upon himself. Mm-hmm. The, the mm-hmm. concept of the wrath of God being poured out is not often spoken about in the good news of the gospel, although it's part and parcel of it. Right. It's like Jesus took care of that for me, and, and that's cool. Now I'll go on and do what I want, and he'll take care of some more of it for me. Uh-huh. Well, you you quoted the uh, suppression of the truth right out of uh, Romans one eighteen, which is just a few verses ahead of where I read in chapter 2. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Now, remember, Romans is written after the crucifixion of Christ. Jesus dies and takes the wrath of his Father against sin upon his own back. And so Jesus in a, in a, essentially... Uh, takes care of and removes the wrath of God against sinners. And yet, after the crucifixion and resurrection, Paul writes, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And in chapter 2 says it this way, you're storing up wrath. So even though Jesus pays for wrath, there's a wrath yet to come for those who are not uh, in Christ. Because 
that which is known about God is evident within them. Verse 19, for God made it evident to them for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that the, so that they are without excuse. Now, I, I could go on, but I want to make this point right now to those who are listening, especially those of you who might be uh, critical of Christianity and uh, somehow you wandered on the station or you just been listening with a critical ear and you're, you're kind of uh, the kind of person who doesn't believe in the biblical faith uh, that we're talking about here. I, I want to impress upon you what the Apostle Paul says in the book. He is saying that human beings, by their very sinful fallen nature, suppress the truth. As God said it, we don't want to admit that there either is a God or that he is who he says he is. And if we change his attributes in some way that make us comfortable, that God is only love and that it's not his wrath that's been revealed. We don't see any wrath. Where is his wrath? God is loving, loving, loving. Then we are, we are actually calling God something that he's not. And there's a wrath that remains for us. You know, some people say, well, I don't want to be a Christian. Uh, I'm going to do my own thing. But I know that, there's a God, and I believe there's a God, and I believe that God loves, and God loves, and God loves. And so, therefore, if I'm not doing everything just right, I'm sure he understands, and he's just going to uh, welcome me home, and he'll say, you know, you should have done better. There's this casual kind of attitude about this concept of God, but that's not the God of the Bible. What, that God is angry yeah. against sin. What is the truth that is suppressed that we're talking about here? Suppresses the truth. Mm-hmm. The truth is that Jesus Christ, that that Jesus Christ was truly God and truly man. That He died for our sins. Man innately knows God. He, he says that in the scriptures, and we suppressed it. Someone once gave the example of having one of these springs that are on a, a automobile, mm-hmm. the old, and and pressing down on it. You, you, the truth's there. The spring is the truth, mm-hmm. and you're trying to hold it down, and it's pushing against you mm-hmm. because. God is, by the fact that you're made in his image, you can't escape that truth. Mm-hmm. And that's why God is angry, because you're trying to push him out of your life. Mm-hmm. And no human being, I've seen those springs. There's no way I could move a spring any closer. <laughs> those things are heavy. <laughs> and as the, the idea that we could try to suppress the truth of God and, and, and in any kind of effective way is just stupid. Yeah, God is so obvious and so evident. And I'm saying that humbly, Gus, because as you know, my testimony, I was an atheist for almost three years and uh, was intellectually chosen to be atheist after reading a lot of material. And that made God angry. God was angry <laughs> with me. And I was a fool. He had no problem saying he wasn't concerned about my self-esteem either. He, just, he calls That's me a whole separate series. He calls me a fool. And so the wrath of God hangs over the head still of all people who do not come to God through Christ, because the only way to remove this anger that we talked about that is present with God every single day is to come to Jesus, who paid the price. The wrath of God was poured out upon him so that that wrath would not need to be poured out on us. However, if you want to die unsaved— uncommitted to Christ, then you are welcoming the wrath of God to be poured out on that day that it's being stored for. You want to join that chorus of people who have said no to God, no to following God, no to submitting to God, no to God being the Lord of your life. 
and the Bible has this ending that is not, it doesn't sound loving, it is, but it's just as true as anything else in the Bible. On that day, it says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus was Lord. But those who make that confession at that moment only are doing it as a broken enemy who will then be immediately followed by a cup of wrath poured out on their head, which will last for eternity of torment. We don't want a single listener to be in that group. You can be in the group that is saying, Jesus Christ is my Lord today. I bow my knee. I follow him. I may not be perfect. I may have an anger problem I'm still battling with, but I am going to glorify God and honor God in uh, how I live my life. I want to become like Christ. Uh, brothers and sisters and those of you who are listening, we need to to make sure that when we bring the gospel to people, as I'm trying to do now, that we include the whole cost of that. And we're going to talk more about that and what to do about anger when we come back from this next break. Listen carefully. Some very important announcements here and resources available to you. desire to become more Christ-like? I want to make you aware of a unique resource every Christian should have who wants to grow in Christ-like character. Transformed into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey is a handbook for putting off sin and putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and will help you identify personal habits and tendencies that are hindering your walk with the Lord. This valuable biblical resource will not only help you identify where personal change is needed in your life, but will also explain how to put off old sinful habits and replace them with new godly behaviors. For more information about this wonderful resource, log on to transformedintohislikeness.com. That's transformedintohislikeness.com. If you'd like to order a copy, call 1-800-656-0231 or ask for it at your local bookstore. Transformed Into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey. The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville. We can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. Welcome back to Transforming Lives, radio program dedicated to exalting the scriptures as a sufficient source of information and counsel from God for all of life's problems. We don't believe we need anything else in this world but the truth of God's word, and it covers everything we need to know about life. We're talking about anger tonight. I'm here, Joe Propri, with my good friend Gus Supan, and we are we are thankful for you, if you've, especially if you've just tuned in, as we've been talking about the anger of God as a foundation for starting to talk about the anger of human beings and 
how to discern when it's a problem. You might think anger with a human being is always a problem, but early in the program we stated the fact that it may not be because anger in itself is not necessarily evil if God is angry. Mm-hmm. And so if human beings are angry for the same reasons and purposes that God is and do with our anger as God does with his anger in those circumstances, then we are actually emulating God. We're in the image of God. We're reflecting God. And that's a wonderful thing for us to be able to do, though many would say uh, that we're wrong because we have this concept that uh, anger is always wrong, but it isn't. And in the New Testament, we've been looking at lately uh, God angry in the New Testament too, because as Gus said earlier, there are a number of people who have said uh, that uh, the God of the Old Testament, yes, is angry, but the God of the New Testament is not explaining, or I should say, which reveals that they really don't understand God mm-hmm. at all much because God doesn't change. And Jesus mm-hmm. uh, reflects God and and on and on. So we're, we're, we need to be willing to reflect God in similar ways. Now, Gus, you were going to say something about the uh, uh, fairness. Some people mentioned that this idea of the wrath of God, it's just not easy to swallow. God is love, and it doesn't seem fair for God to be so angry as we're trying to make him out to be, even though the scriptures are what says that. And to be angry every day is even harder to to uh, accept. Why why do people say that's unfair? When, well, it, it all all gets back to the to the fact that uh, they may know God, but they may not, not know God well enough. They may not know that his his love is is in the same as I said earlier in the in the first segment, his love is in the same magnitude as his wrath. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we go to Genesis 18.25, and he said, well, will the God of all the, the, the earth not do the, what's just? Mm-hmm. He, it says also in Jeremiah 21.14, I will punish you as your deeds deserve, declares the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he is being just in his wrath. Mm-hmm. His, his justice, again, is as, as complete and full as his wrath. So we are without excuse the fact that some do not receive that wrath, that is the believers, mm-hmm. is because they have obeyed him mm-hmm. and listened to him and acknowledged, received, and accepted his son. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that really gets his wrath. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have been uh, given a gift that's offered to everyone. And... Um, well, you know, Gus, I'm going to ask you a question. You're mm-hmm. saying that um, God's God's wrath is, uh, well, let's put it this way. What is unfair about sending people to hell? What is un- unfair with um, with people who are nice people, people who have been good? They may not have even had an anger problem. They may have had some other kinds of problems, but they're basically good people, yet they haven't come to Christ they're they're kind to one another. They don't kick cats, you know, they, all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden they die having rejected Christ. They just didn't want to become a Christian, didn't make sense to them. Uh, we already talked about suppressing the truth. They didn't deliberately suppress the truth or not, you know, just heard go- the gospel. They didn't think it made sense. They watched Christians. Some of us are hypocrites. And but basically good lives. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to go to meet this God they've heard about. And usually they've heard he's a God of love. Mm-hmm. And they walk up to the throne and the Bible says Jesus has got eyes of brass and flames around his feet. And, and it's a white, holy, pure situation. And then 
the wrath of God is poured out in judgment on this individual, and he spends eternity in hell suffering under this tormenting wrath of God. That does not seem fair. What do you tell a person? Well, it's not. It's not fair. If God, you know, if God was God is fair, we'd get what we deserved. Are you saying the, they deserve that? Yes, for this reason. Why? For this reason, their knowledge and understanding of what is good is not what God judges as good. Huh. Because their knowledge of good is man's example. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And the glory of God is perfect righteousness. Mm-hmm. That's good. Nobody, we, we can say, well, people do good things. Well, I don't think anyone does anything good 100% for the glory of God. There is always some of me in my doing good. Mm-hmm. There's always some, uh, and God says, there's none who understands in Romans, there's none, none who understands what that good and that righteousness is. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're living with a false understanding of what God's expectations are. And they become, they could become surprised in the end, saying, why am I here? I was good. All of us, you ask, uh, you ask people, if you were to die, die tonight and stand before God, and, and he were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? And you start ticking off all the things you did, that you did this, you gave this, you were good, you didn't murder anybody, mm-hmm, you didn't mm-hmm. kill it. Therefore, you're good. So well, God says, I got a surprise for you. Mm-hmm. That's not what I meant by good. Yeah, and that's not the standard that's by which right. uh, I allow people to heaven. I used to have this simple explanation. Uh, that it's probably too simple, but it, in my earlier Christian walk, it was adequate for me, and that was that if heaven is a perfect place, and it must be, it's God's home, and there's no sin permitted there or it would destroy heaven. That's, heaven mm-hmm. has to be maintained as a perfect, holy place. Then for any human being to enter heaven, There must be no sin on this human being. They have to be as holy as God. And that's why he says, be ye holy as As I am am holy. And, you know, we can't be. No, we can't (laughs) be. But there was one who was holy for us, Mm -hmm. who lived a sinless life, and who wants to impute, that is to lay upon us Mm -hmm. or to account to us his perfect holiness Mm -hmm. And, and give us his white robe of righteousness. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, the, that's the key that we need to understand, that I, I give him all of my sin, mm-hmm. that which you want to uh, let your wrath go on. Mm-hmm. I give that to you, and Jesus, you go to the cross, and you take our Heavenly Father's wrath, and you give to me, you impute to me, you account to me your perfect goodness, mm-hmm. your perfect holiness, the goodness that I could never even attain, m- much less understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the key, Gus, is that uh, the average human being who is thinking the way I, I present it as the, as the test case uh, highly values their own goodness. And from a human point of view, some of us are nicer than others. There's no question about that. But none of that None of that has any bearing whatsoever on the standard, which is God's goodness. He's the, in fact, the term good comes from the name God. It's, it's an English derivative, you know, that right. God is good. In fact, when Jesus, whom we all know, uh, was as good as can be, when he was approached by someone who just saw him as a human being and said, good master, he said, hold it. You know, who are you, you? Call, you calling good? Do you understand what you're saying? And then he said, only God is, is good. good. Right. 
Right. So God's the standard for goodness. And so, you know, when a human being comes before that, that throne room at the judgment and they don't have Christ and they begin to offer whatever good they've done, Gus, as you were saying, they could name a hundred million things that they've done and they'll never come close. You can't be 60% good or 80% good. God's the standard. And if you have one sin on your soul, the way I used to put it, if you have one sin uh, that you've ever committed in your life, and every human being does, then you couldn't enter heaven no matter how good you've been. You couldn't enter heaven, and the wrath of God is poured out on you for the one sin. For one sin. And, of course, that's an exaggeration. Everybody has millions of sins easily. So God's wrath, uh, as we're saying now, as we're developing this before the end of the program here, and gosh, we've got so much more to cover next mm-hmm. week. But the the, um, the wrath of God is tied to His holiness and His justice. It's it's the most fair anyone could be. And what He's saying, the standard is me. I've made everything to reflect that in the mm-hmm. image of me. Even the heavens declare my handiwork and glorify me. But human beings have the choice to do that, and they don't. And when I do give them uh, insight or or uh, manifestations of my glory, they suppress the truth of that. They will not give thanks to me or honor me. That's what Romans 1, right, 18 exactly. and following says. And so the wrath of God is justly poured out in a, an extremely fair way for eternity on anyone who says, <clears throat> in a sense, God, I don't care what you did to provide for my sin. Mm-hmm. I want to offer myself as a sufficient uh, statement of goodness and that uh, I'm valuable in my own right to come in and live with you. And he says, no, you're unfit because of your sin, but I loved you so much that I've provided for you so that I wouldn't have to pour out my wrath on you. And when you turn my son away, whom I poured my wrath upon, and you don't want to have anything to do with him, or you might say, Jesus is just all right with me, and uh, but you don't want to follow him, live for him. You, want to, you don't want to bear the stigma of being mm-hmm. called a Christian, especially in our culture today. Mm-hmm. Then <clears throat> why should you be in heaven with me when you're going to be identified with the same kinds of people? You don't want to be there in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so his his wrath is is I think quite justified and logical. You know you can you can uh, you can think of somebody who could, who who has the notion that they are good enough to uh, to escape the wrath of God on their own. To think that they could then what they're really saying is there's no need for a Jesus. Really, that's you know, right. Why, why do we need and and pretty much. That's what people say in our culture today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't need Jesus. Thank you very much. I can get there on my own. I know how to be good. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that brings out God's fury. What you're saying is, is that uh, Jesus is fine to have, like in your back pocket, an insurance card. Or, uh, Rainy day, umbrella. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, Jesus is nice. I like Jesus. I like some of the things he said. He's a pretty good guy. Uh, uh but he's not going to be my Lord. Mm-hmm. And really, that's the issue. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Well, folks, we're we're uh, having fun, at least here ourselves. Hopefully <laughs> you are, too, as we're reminding ourselves of the glorious God who has, who has brought about an answer to the human dilemma. And the human dilemma is such as this. We were made to honor God. We were made, as just about every catechism says, Protestant or Catholic, we were designed to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. 
And we don't like to do that. We, we, we sinned in Adam. We've continued sinning in ourselves. And we have wandered away from God. And we only want to have an involvement with God on our own terms instead of his. And Gus and I are here to say to those that are listening who might be in that category, please come to God the way he says he should be come to and, and commit yourself, bow your knee and let Jesus be the Lord. And if you have an anger problem, we're going to be helping in this coming week to understand how to divert that anger so that it reflects his anger. And that's the clue to beginning next week's program, Gus, mm-hmm. is that when we understand that real righteous anger is tied to seeing injustice and unfair circumstances and sin and its pain and cause, we might have the right to be angry. We should be angry when we're sinning at ourselves. Mm-hmm. We should be angry at sin. We should be angry when the widows or the orphans or somebody's oppressed. I think it's interesting, Joe. I know we, we're, we're running short of time here. Uh, that uh, with with God's perfect wrath, and He knows that we are in a sinful world, and He knows that we're going to be angry. So He knows what anger is. Mm-hmm. He He knows it from a righteous perspective, and He has written in His Word uh, so much advice and counsel and wisdom about that. Okay, next week. We're going to pick this up and talk about our own sinful anger. God bless you. We hope that you tune in to Transforming Lives next Sunday night from 7 to 8. Call your friends, relatives, and angry people, all the angry people you know. Make them real mad, telling them they have to listen. We'll be looking forward to hearing from you. Or we'll be mad. Or we'll get mad. God bless you. Good night. We invite you to visit our website at bci-ohio.com. That's bci-ohio.com. There you will find information about BCI, our resources, course offerings, and available materials. You may also write to the Biblical Counseling Institute, 8146 High Street, Garrettsville, Ohio, 44231. Your prayers and financial gifts for this ministry would be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening. This program has been sponsored by the Biblical Counseling Institute of Garrettsville, Ohio. Your love is like the dawn. Hi, I'm Pat.